Welcome to the Lives of Courage podcast with me, Jessica Stong. Each week, we'll look at ways to choose courage every day, as I know even the smallest acts of courage matter. Through inspiration and action, we can grow into who we are truly meant to be. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Lives of Courage podcast. For our 19th podcast, we have our first Courage in Action interview. I'm delighted and honored to introduce to you Dana Hensley, a dear mentor, an incredibly talented, wise, and generous woman. Dana has helped me navigate the world of learning differences with grace and kindness, as well as giving me sound professional and civic advice. I wanted to interview Dana today for you all to hear her story of strength, determination, and grit. But not only that, she's taught me so much about parenting and for standing up for what is right. Dana does it all. She's written two debate and speech textbooks, run her own publishing company. She currently serves as the vice president of the board for the Cancer Foundation. She served on so many boards, including but not limited to Communities in schools, CASA, Junior League of Wichita, trustee for the Wichita Community School, where she also was head of the upper school. Um, and and as she mentions, she uh, just um, came off a 10-year-ish term for Hall Center for Humanities at the University of Kansas. She's also co-chairing a capital campaign for the Fundamental Learning Center. Her leadership and her mentorship is incredible, and I'm so grateful for her time, her ability to lead as a, as a true inspiring voice and for her servant leadership. So grab a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, and enjoy. Um, so Dana, what does courage mean to you? I think... Um, Courage is very amorphous. It's like it's like the air we breathe, or it's in the air we breathe. And I think we sometimes mistakenly think it's when we save a life or when we climb a mountain, uh, and that does take courage. But it's also for a lot of people, I think, um, just getting out of bed every morning and putting one foot in front of the other. Absolutely. And so courage can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but it's out there for us to, to use if we can trigger it. Absolutely. So what do you think, what events in your life have shaped the way that you think and the way you react and act and, and, and do and be in the world? What do you think has shaped that? I think, um, I grew up in a very, in a rural area, um, Rome, Kansas. We used to always call it the smallest town in the United States with a paved street. And I don't know if that's accurate, but we believe that. And I believed that when I grew up. Um, But my parents didn't go to school beyond eighth grade. And my sister dropped out of high school as a sophomore. And um, there was not only um, no encouragement for me to go to college, but there was strong resistance. I really wanted to go to KU, and um, the year before was during the Vietnam War stuff, and the Union burned that spring, and 
my, I, I graduated a year early because I had skipped a grade, so I was younger. And my parents were just like, you're not going there. So um, I went to Emporia State University my first year, which was, you know, a good school. It was not a good fit for me. Um, but I think probably um, the worst arguments my parents and I ever had growing up was the fact that I wanted to go to college, and they did not want me to. And there was a six-week secretarial course being offered in Arc City, Kansas, and they just couldn't understand why I wouldn't go take that. And um, it, it, I think that the courage that I had to find in making the decision to go and then implementing it um, is probably where um, I have found what shapes me today. Yes. And we talked about this a little earlier off mic, but what what was that, 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 that inner drive, that determination? Where do you think that came from? You know, that's such a good question because I don't know if we ever really know. You know, I had some strong external um, situations that I think encouraged me to succeed. My parents were very proud of me. I played the piano well. I won a national music um, competition when I was 11. And um, I don't think I was that good. I think I was just precocious. I could do it sooner than a lot of people could. But, um, and, and they were really proud of my grades. So when I would come home with those A's, you know, that, that I could see that it made them happy and from a very young age. And my dad was very ill throughout all of my life and died when I was 17. So, I, you know, I think I realized intrinsically somehow that, that I could make them happy by doing mm -hmm. good things, by having people, you know, praise me for this or that. So I think there was that external motivation, but I also think there, there has to have been a lot of internal motivation because I was stubborn and I just knew that I wanted to keep going to school and I had important people in my life, you know, at the, at the right stages that would say, the only way you're gonna break this cycle is to get more education and that's the way you're gonna get ahead in the world. And that is so true, right? But what has education meant to you? And then how do you, what do you see the role of education in, in, in our society today? Well, it's, it's the most important thing for me. I mean, I, I was one of those kids that loved school. And um, I mean, I went to a two-room country schoolhouse for eight years. We had the little room for grades one through four and the big room for grades five through eight. And um, I just loved going to school. And uh, I can remember we had this, these like three shelves in the big room that was all the library books that the school owned. And I remember one year deciding, I'm just gonna read them all. And I did. And I mean, it's just the stupid things, but school was just really, it was easy for me and I just loved it. Um, and I love to learn and I still love to learn. There's still so much I need to learn. Um, but I also really, I'm one of those that believes not only in education, but in liberal arts education. And, you know, I mean, our education system in the, in the U.S. is struggling. Um, and there's a lot that needs to be done. But, but I think the 
key to upward mobility is education. Absolutely. And you do a lot of work, I know, with the Fundamental Learning Center, an organization that means a lot to the both of us. And can you explain how you got involved with that organization and sure. why, it, why it matters? Yes. Why? I think um, I, I have a daughter who was um, five, I think. And, you know, I, as I look back now, I think she came out of the womb reading. I mean, she's <laughs> just like me. We just read so many books, and it's, it's a huge part of our lives. And then when she was five, I had a little boy, and um, he wasn't picking up on reading quite like she did, but I thought, ah, he's a boy, you know, and every child develops in their own way in their own time. So I think it probably wasn't until he was in third grade that I really came face to face with the fact that he had learning differences. And um, Fundamental Learning and the founder of that, co-founder of that, Janine Phillips, was, had a son who was profoundly dyslexic and um, they were, my son and, and Janine's son were friends and um, schoolmates. And um, Janine was working so hard to try to figure out how to get her son to be able to read. And while reading wasn't probably Chad's most significant problem, um, there was clearly something going on. And um, so, you know, the ability to reach out to kids who can't do it naturally and easily, like I was fortunate enough to be able to do, is important to me because if these kids can't learn to read and be successful yes. in school, their lives are just um, so incredibly challenged and, and diminished. Absolutely. And we know that education is that piece to right. just uh, freedom almost. Exactly. And so, and that education looks different for, for various people out right. there, but we know we need to give them. Absolutely. The tools to be yes. successful, um, you know, and and I still really think that, you know, it's it's ideal if these students can go to college and, and you know, read the great literature and, and understand the philosophy and, and, and absorb the history so that, you know, we're just better citizens of the world. But but even if that's not doable, making sure that kids, you know, are able to go to a good trade school and to get whatever kind of education they need, um, you know, to do the kind of skills and work that they want to do to be a productive citizen, um, it all requires reading. And Fundamental Learning Center reaches out to kids who are not learning to read in their regular school, and we work hard to help give them those skills. That is so wonderful. So what can you share with us about parenting and insights you've learned? Because not you have two incredible children, oh, who, one who is a dear friend of mine, but also you have mentored parents. You have been ahead of an upper school here in Wichita, Kansas. Like what, what can you share with us about what you've learned and what you know? Well, there's an awful lot I don't know, um, so let me start there. Um, I think that from a very, very early age as a mom, I realized that our kids don't come from us, they come through us. And um, I think that's really helped me to, you know, I'm, 
I'm just kind of one of those people who just kind of micromanages everything. And I would have loved to have micromanaged my kids' lives. Um, but I knew ultimately that wasn't going to stand them well as adults. Um, and so I think you just, you know, you have to provide... I think you have to provide high expectations for your kids. You need to expect them to do well in school and to behave well. But you also have to provide, it's equally important to provide high levels of support so that they've always got that soft place to land when something doesn't work out. Um, I see so many parents today who will just go to incredible ends to try to have their kids not get into any trouble or have any kind of negative experience mm -hmm. and and I get that I mean you just don't want that for your child um, but it's just so important to build resilience and um, to see the benefits of a skin knee um, is so true and and how can you talk more about this resilience piece and and what has resilience looked like in your life as well because oftentimes we don't recognize or value resilience because it's this this hard to define concept but we know it matters and we know that it helps us all learn and grow and that idea of grit so so that's a long-winded question sorry <laughs> I, I can see, I think, more instances in my life as I look back that I wished I had been more resilient. Um, I, I can remember when I was a senior in college, and fortunately, I was dating the man that I have now been married to for 46 years. And um, I needed, you know, no one in high school told me it's important to take math and science. So I had Algebra 1 as a freshman and was scared to death of that teacher. I just, I, 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 I and so I decided, well, I'm not going to do any more of that. So I had, a, I had to have one more credit to graduate. So I took a business math class, which was just what all the kids did that just, you know, could barely get out of high school. So I go to college with no math and no science. And so I, you know, made it through biology in college. And then I realized going into my senior year that I still needed one more science course. And so I remember looking at my, my then fiance or boyfriend and said, well, I'm done. I'm not going to graduate because there's just, there's just no way I'm going to pick up another science class. And so, of course, he very calmly says, geology, you're going to take... I'm like, I don't know anything about the earth or rocks. I can't take... And he goes, no, we're both going to take geology. So we both took geology. And um, But, you know, I mean, I can see me at that point just feeling like I'd hit a brick wall and... And so I, I don't know that I'm a good one to talk about resilience because I'm not sure I'm a good example of it. But, um, you know, I do think that, that kids have to be challenged and they have to learn that it's okay to make a mistake. Yeah. It's okay to miss a problem on a math test. Um, and, you know, because there have been some fascinating studies done on how you build resiliency. And, you know, if you... If you tell a student before a test that, oh, she is so smart, she's going to do so well on this test, then she takes the test and does well on it, and then you reward her in the same way. When you give her a more difficult test she doesn't do well on, then her attitude just shuts down. 
And, you know, if on the other hand, you have praised this child with, you know, I really appreciate your hard work on this. I can tell you've been working hard on this. When they then get to that test that's so difficult, they're going to work hard on it because they know that's what's really valued. So, you know, there's there's lots of, of relatively small comments and interactions that we as parents or even teachers make with students that can have a profound impact on resiliency. Absolutely. And it's that growth mindset. Correct. And that you had to have throughout your life. To, to I would argue you had a growth mindset from the beginning. You knew that you were going to yes. go to yeah. college. Yeah, and I was going to go to college. There was just no question. And part of that was, you know, the, my peers in high school all went to KU, so I wanted to go with them. And so at the end of my freshman year at Emporia, um, I realized, now wait a minute, you know, I'm now 18, I can, and I'm paying my way through college. If I want to change schools and go to KU, I can. So I applied, got in, made all the arrangements, and then told my parents that I was transferring <gasps> to KU. Was, so. But this is what right. you do, right. and this is what we learn. Correct. And at that young of an age, to have the drive and determination and grit right. to do what is right for your life is, is exactly. magnificent. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So, okay, um, pivoting just a little bit, I want to hear what you are most grateful for in your life or numerous things that you're grateful for. And this um, is a... Um, I am grateful for so much, but... I think clearly it has to be my family, my kids. I mean, um, I can remember there was a pop song when I was still in high school. I was probably 16 or so. And there was a line in that song that, that has stuck with me. And I remember always thinking that, um, you know, my legacy would be leaving behind kids that could carry on what I think is important in life. And... Uh, I'm so grateful because I think I have two kids who will. (laughs) Will. And will do that very well. Oh, that's beautiful. And it is, it's incredible to me when you talk about your legacy, not only your children, but you, as I will have mentioned, (laughs) that you are a dear mentor to me and so many um, women in the Wichita community. And that you are, you show up, you are there you you teach us so much about what leadership is. Well, thank you. I I I want to do that now. I'm at that stage in my life where um, I want to show by example and by word and by deed um, what it means to be a leader mm-hmm. and what it means to be a mentor. Because I've had some very important mentors in my mm-hmm. life along the way, and. I really want to be able to hopefully give back some of what I've learned along the way to help you gals just continue to grow and flourish. And that is, it's so interesting because I see you in so many different areas of our community. At the, You're on the found can, cancer, cancer Foundation. Foundation. Yep. You help with the American Heart Association and yep. do mentorship to teens there you were on are you still on the hall center for humanity just just went off that yes how long did you do that dana oh gosh probably about 10 years so which is it's a wonderful um liberal arts effort to make sure that that we have 
good experiences with art and literature and history throughout the state of Kansas. And it is so powerful and so and you did so you've done so much for our community. Well, thank you. And the and and the our our community at large. And I just wonder what dr- drives that and I'm wondering if you could share um your words about Betty Friedan. Oh, I read you the first time I met you. Yes. You talked yes. about your I think I really think that it's important to try to um, pay your rent for a living. And, um, you know, I've been so lucky to have such a stable marriage and um, that I've not had to worry about putting, feeding my, my family. And so that, to me, has meant that I have even more responsibility to try to lead and to use my gifts that I've done nothing to have I mean they were just given to me and it would just be you know it would be shameful not not to try to use them to help people and help situations that that need support that I can give that is incredible I love that's so beautiful because it is our 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 duty or our I believe so responsibility to do this and and to let others know that this is an option. This is absolutely yeah. I and it is funny. You mentioned Betty Friedan. <laughs> I um, I when I was in when Bill and I were first married, um, he was working as an attorney at a Wall Street law firm, and I got a position at a different Wall Street law firm as their recruitment director. And um, I had the opportunity at one point to go listen to Betty Friedan. and this was in the late seventies, and I mean it was a powerful time oh. for for women at that point in time. And we were, for example, the law firm that I worked with, we probably had about 100 attorneys in New York City at that time, and maybe two or three were females, but no female partners. And um, so we, we were really, you know, coming to grips with all of this. But I remember one time at, at when I was listening to Betty Dan, she said, made the kind of an offhand comment I think it was in an answer to a, a question and not necessarily in her main message, but she said, you know, I think part of the reason why women's work is so undervalued in today's society is because women give it away in ways and um, amounts that, that men seldom do. And she talked, you know, just that, you know, we volunteer, we do all this stuff. and. So I kind of left thinking, well, yeah, I'm not going to be a volunteer and just give away my time and talent and treasure. And, um, you know, I've spent, you know, a vast majority of my life volunteering. Um, but but it was a step that I kind of had to come to grips with because it, in my impressionable 20s, mm-hmm. her, her comment really um, struck a chord with me. That is so true. But, and how do you reconcile, reconcile this, we still hear that today. Absolutely. You know, I still, I think the thing that maybe saddens me, well, one of the things that saddens me about American society right now is that, you know, we really haven't, I mean, oh, in so many ways, we can look at the ways women's lives have improved, but in so many ways, we're still as stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a young mom, I see you gals that we still haven't figured out how they can reconcile childcare and work and a serious career and uh, I mean it's we just aren't getting very far along with any of that and um, it, it's really hard and I 
still think women are, are a lot more critical of each other than men often are. Um, you know, I'll still hear, you know, a young mom who maybe is a physician and she has had a baby and decides to take some time off to stay home with the child and, you know, she'll say, well, the, my male colleagues totally get it. But, you know, my female colleagues are kind of disappointed that I took up a space in medical school and now I'm not working. And uh, we, we as women, don't always support each other's choices, be it to stay at home, to be it to go back part-time or full-time and when. And it, it, it's hard. I just wish we were a little bit farther along as a society Absolutely. about all of this. And um, what if you had a magic wand... Or if you, <laughs> right, because you do, what could we begin to do as a society to recognize the worth of all, especially mm-hmm. when our, our, the discourse of today is not that? How do we keep moving forward when, when it seems as though we're taking 20 steps back? Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting question, a very good question. And um, yesterday I had a new air conditioning unit had to get put into my house, so I was home all day with uh, repairment people Uh there. So I watched the Brett Kavanaugh um, hearings from literally every minute of them. And, um, you know, the discourse is so discouraging. And, um, you know, somehow we have got to learn how to communicate better. We've got to be able to uh, set aside our politics and just learn how to communicate with each other. And, you know, we all kind of live in a bubble. We kind of know who we know, and they're pretty much like us, and they pretty much believe like we do. And um, our socioeconomic statuses are probably about the same. And um, that I just think we've lost the ability to communicate and understand and put ourselves in each other's shoes. And that's what I wish we could do better. Oh, that's so good. Oh, I, we're just, when you write your book, we yep. will have you back up. We'll do it. So is there anything else, any parting thoughts that you want to share with our community? Because as I have mentioned, you have made such a difference in my life and have opened up a world of thought and of possibility. And I just hope that people can take your message and, and move forward because what you have given to this world is, is so great. Thank you. That's Thank you. Really nice. Um, you know, find somebody you can confide in and who can help you. You know, we've just all need friends who are positive, who are helpful, who believe in us, and um, who who will give us that that little push that we all at times need. And um, they're out there. They so. are. Oh, thank you so much, Dana. I'm so grateful. Okay, I'm gonna.